0: We're going to begin this morning talking to us about significant Christianity. So I'm going to ask you to take your Bibles today and go to the book of Acts, the second chapter. And as you're doing that, let me welcome our campuses who are joining with us today. My name is Eddie Couples. I'm the lead pastor for Love and Truth Ministries. I want to welcome those of you in Craneville, Illinois, in Cordova, Tennessee, Henderson, Tennessee, and Savannah, Tennessee today, who are joining with us. I'm believing today that the Word of God is going to touch your life, that you're going to be strengthened and empowered, and that you are going to find out what it means to live a life of significance. And so take your Bibles today. Let's go on the Word of God. In the book of Acts, the second chapter, For all of you who are here today, this is going to be our setting for the next five weeks because I'm going to be talking about for five weeks how that we have been called to live more than just a routine life. Amen. I mean, I am so tired of just people who are going through the motion. I am ready to see us live that abundant life that John 10, 10 talks about that we move into that place of true significance. And so over the next five weeks, we're going to be talking about the different things that Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 42, talks about. So would you look there? I'm reading out the New International Version, and it says this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe (coughs) at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles, And when you read that scripture, I want to tell you that's what true Christianity looks like. It's, it's meeting together, it's coming together, it's taking care of one another, uh, it's, it's involved in one another's lives, it's all of those things combined as we go forward together. Christianity is not about you and Jesus having your own thing going. You remember that old song from what, about the 70s, me and Jesus got our own thing going? no. It's not what it's about, folks. It is about a relationship, not just a relationship with Jesus Christ, but it is about a relationship with those who are in the body of Christ along with you. And so for the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at what does it do, what do we have to do to move ourselves into a place of significance in living out this thing called Christianity. Today, I want to talk about my witness. Every one of us have been given the right, and we've been given not only the right, but we've been given the mandate to be a witness in this world. The Word of God lets us know that, that, that these uh, apostles and these early disciples, that they were a witness. In fact, they were such a witness that the Word of God says that the Lord added daily to the church. Now, I want to tell you, I love reading that. Amen? Amen? I mean, that means that the local church in Jerusalem grew by at least 365 people in one year. Now, what would happen if the churches across the world would allow the Spirit of God to add to the church daily such as should be saved? All of a sudden, there would be a massive revival that would begin to shake the world as we move forward. And, and so we, we begin to find out that Jesus laid out some things for us. Listen, it's not just about us going to heaven one day. It really is about us making a difference upon this earth. And I found out that when you begin to make a difference upon earth, then your life takes on significance. The book of Matthew, the fourth chapter, the 19th verse says this. Jesus said, come, follow me. Now that's pretty great. I don't know about you, but I did that a long time ago. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. You said, what's my job description? You're to go out and fish. Now, I know a lot of people do that on Sunday. Because I see them passing by with their boats and their trailers. And I guess that's okay every once in a while. But the Lord's talking about fishing for people. 1 uh, Corinthians talks about the apostle Paul said to the weak I became weak uh, to, the, to, to win the weak. And he goes through this whole thing uh, about laying out. He said, I have become all things to all people that I may by some means win them. I may That it's possible that I touch their lives and change it for the glory of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Uh, see, we've got to come to this. We have made the word evangelism a bad word. You know, we, we, we get real nervous when, when somebody talks about evangelism or an evangelist. But I want to tell you, evangelism is not something that's bad. It's something that Jesus Christ has called all of us to do. And the secret of, of this is not just to share the message of Jesus Christ, but it's also what is our methods as we share that message of Jesus Christ. The book of Matthew, the 10th chapter, if you have your Bible and want to turn there, is where we're going to kind of hang out for a few minutes today. Because Jesus gives the disciples here the method that he wants them to use, and I think that that can transpose to our society and our day and age that you and I can find out how do we go about changing the lives of people. Listen, let me tell you something. Jesus Christ loved people enough that he came to this earth. And he lived a sinless life for 33 and a half years, and then he died a horrible death. Why did he do that? He did that because people matter. Let me say that again people matter. People are important. People are more important than rules, people are more important than regulations. People are more important than buildings. People are more important than anything else upon this earth because it is what Jesus Christ came to this earth for, was to reach and to touch people. Now, he gives the disciples in Matthew, the 10th chapter, verse 5 and 6, he kind of lays out how how that they are to go forth. Uh, It says, these 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. He said, do not go among the Gentiles. Now, that's interesting. Or enter any town of the Samaritans he said go rather to the lost sheep of Israel now now wait a minute Jesus I thought you came to win the world he did but he said when you're going to do evangelism you got to narrow the focus you got to bring things down and you got to understand what I'm calling you to do and so here's what I want to talk about today you ready I can wait are you ready all right, thank you. I appreciate that. It makes me feel better. I'm going to give you five principles for fishing for people. Now, these five principles probably can work for fishing for fish. So if you're not real spiritual, just take it in that manner. If you just want to know how to be a better fisherman. But I think that if you can take these principles today in the, out of the Word of God and you can begin to see how to be the person that Jesus Christ has called you to be. Number one is this, is know what you are fishing for. You know, if you're going to fish for carp, you're going to use one thing. If you're going to fish for bass, you're going to use another thing. If you're going to fish for catfish, you're going to fish. Know what you're fishing for. Now, here's the deal about fishing. How many of you have ever been fishing? Those of you watching, you can raise your hand too. Uh, Listen, here's what I understand about fishing, is that if you ever go from fishing to catching, you'll be ruined right how many of you have ever gone and fished you know two or three hours and went home just smelling like worms no fish in the boat no fish anywhere now my problem is is that when i was about 13 or 14 we lived in kenya and uh, there was a lake there called lake navasha and, and my father and myself and another missionary and his son literally would go fishing, and within two to three, maybe four hours at the most, we have caught at, at least 50 and sometimes up to 100 largemouth bass. Now, I want to tell you, when you do that when you are a teenager, and then you go down to the Tennessee River and you sit there all day long for one scraggly catfish, it just messes your world up. It's just like, all of a sudden, what in the world am I doing? So needless to say, I haven't been fishing in the natural in a long time. But I do know that there are some principles that work, and that is you've got to know what you're fishing for. In other words, a one-size approach won't fit everything. All right? And a lot of times in the church, that's what we've done. We've said, you know, well, well, we've built a building. Well, praise God. It's wonderful to have a building, but a building won't save people. Well, we have services. Well, that's wonderful. That means you're, you know, you've got some structure. But guess what? That doesn't save people. You've got to figure out uh, what you're doing and who you're going to reach. What you want to catch will determine your strategy. Natural, spiritual. Now, if you want to catch Christians, you can do that. I've done that. I, I remember in my first pastorate, uh, we, we started a concert ministry and we had at that time We had the top people coming through we had everybody it, This is when clay cross at first that we had clay cross we had for him. We had Rebecca st. James I mean you name it and we had them. I mean we were even so spiritual. We had some southern gospel groups Now I have to be in the spirit to go to a southern gospel concert All right and and we had we you know we had the Martins and we had the Greens and God only knows who else we had. But I found out real quickly when you have concerts guess who shows up? Christians. I got tired of feeding everybody else's saints. So I walked in one day and I said the concert ministry is over. No more concerts. We've never had one concert that I know of as a church concert since I've been in Jackson. Why? Because I'm not fishing for Christians. I've thought about having bingo. Boy, all the religious people got nervous right then. I've thought about having, you know, Texas Hold'em or something, but. What's wrong with you? Well, bless God, that's not what we do. Why? Because we're trying to catch other Christians instead of trying to catch fish. See, Jesus defined the target. Jesus said, listen, I want you to go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That's who I want you to reach. I want you to know who they are, and I want you to go after them. Who is it that we're going after? Who is it that we're trying to reach? We have got to know what our target is. One of the things of Love and Truth Ministries that we have tried to do from church to church is that we have done our best not to go after a bunch of Christians. Now, Christians show up. We understand that, and we love you if you came here or came to one of our churches as a believer already. But I want to tell you, it's not about us. It's about those who are still coming. It's about those who don't know Jesus Christ. And you know what I found out, and maybe this doesn't translate to the natural world, but it sure does in the spirit, is that if we are really going to make a difference and we're really going to fish for people, we've got to like them. Amen. Have you ever, listen, I've gone to churches before, and, and, and if, I, if I didn't know Jesus, I would have felt so uncomfortable because it was like they were just beating the stew out of you the whole time you were there, right? I mean, you, you come in, and, and maybe you don't know the tradition, and you don't know what to wear and what not to wear, and come on. And so you wore the wrong thing on that Sunday, and, and you came in, and everybody in that church turned around. Right? And you went, wow, I, 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 I just want to find Jesus. Amen? Listen, I want to tell you something. Every person on earth deserves respect because Jesus Christ died for them and because they are made in the image and in the likeness of God. And I don't have to agree with their lifestyle. I don't have to agree with what they're doing or how they're living, but I still owe them respect because they are God's children even if they are away from Him. And so we got to like them. If we're going to win them the second thing we've got to do is we've got to go where the fish are biting that's real deep theology I understand but but we don't get it in the church I mean a a good fisherman knows that he's got to move every once in a while they may have been biting here this morning but this afternoon they're not so you you go somewhere else you do something else And, and and what we've got to do is we've got to find out when people are receptive some of us have been working on the same people for the last 100 years. All right, I stretched it a little. I mean, you, you know, you've been trying to get Uncle whoever saved. And he, don't, he doesn't want to be saved. He doesn't want to know Jesus. He th- th- has no interest in the things of God. I mean, there's just... and, and you can, well, uh, well Listen, I understand you want him saved. But you need to find out that there's somebody else who's sitting right next to Uncle Bubba. That is receptive to Jesus. The Bible says it this way it says, Don't cast your pearls before pigs. Now, I didn't call Uncle Bubba a pig, although he might be. What I'm saying is, is that you've got to find out who's receptive. You know what I found out is that people are receptive during transition. In, fa- in fact, if you were to think for a moment, I would dare say most of us got saved during a time of transition a new job, a new house, a new baby, boy, that'll transition your world. You know, or, or, or people who are under some type of tension. Maybe they've just gone through a divorce or, or, or there's been a death in the family or maybe they just lost their job. Now, I, I want to tell you, those people are receptive to the gospel. You've got people in your life right now who are just like that. And instead of you spending all your time on somebody who got inoculated to the gospel years ago, you do understand what that means, don't you? That means they got just enough not to get the real thing. That's what inoculation does. They give you a shot, just a little bit of measles, just a little bit of mumps, just a little bit so that you won't ever get the real thing. And there's a whole lot of people who show up at churches every week who have been inoculated to Christianity. They've got just enough not to ever get the right thing. Don't spend your time—I'm going to get in trouble. But don't spend your time on them. Find somebody whose life is in a mess. Find somebody whose life is in crisis. Find somebody who is in a transition in their life, and they are open. Here's the deal. Take advantage of hungry hearts. People who are hungry want to eat. People who are full are connoisseurs. And the church is filled with picky eaters. I'll take a smidge of that and a dab of this. No, no, no. A hungry person says, give me everything. And that's what we're looking for. Matthew 10, 14 says, if anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. Wow. In other words, look for open doors. Look for people who are receptive. Look for people who are looking for Jesus Christ in their life and in their moment of, of time. The third thing you've got to do, and this one may sound a little strange, but I'll explain it. Third thing you've got to do is you've got to think like a fish. A good fisherman thinks like a fish. They go, okay, this fish likes to go deep and in murky water, and, and, and they like to sit on the bottom, and, and so I've got to get some kind of a lure or some kind of whatever that goes down there and gets... I mean, you've you got to think like a fish. And in the kingdom of God, some of us have been saved so long, we forget what it was like to be unsaved. I mean, when you meet somebody on the street that's an unbeliever, don't say, Hallelujah, brother. <laughs> Praise God. I mean, they think you're nuts. I mean, I've walked into some churches, and I can't understand anything they're saying. Have you been washed in the blood? And I go, Whoa. I understand the lingo. I've been there, but the guy who doesn't understand the lingo, he watched the movie, and the virgin gets sacrificed on the altar. That's where the blood comes from, and that's where the altar... Y'all, Come on, right? And and so we throw out what I call Christianese. You know, it's kind of like Chinese. Christianese, and we... And we use all this stuff, and nobody's getting it. So we've got to come to the place that we think like a fish. We've got to understand their habits. We've got to understand their preferences. We've got to understand what their patterns of life are. I want to tell you, I understand you, you, you need to insulate your life and you shouldn't always watch everything that comes on television, but some of you need to get out of gun smoke. I, I, mean, I mean, some of you need to understand. Some of you need to turn MTV and VH1 and BET on just for a little while. Not, not enough to get unsanctified. And that's about three minutes of, of some of that. But, but you need to know what's happening in the culture around us. You need to know who's out there. You, you need to know, I'm not going there, God help me. You, you just need to understand what's out there because if not, you can't relate to the fish. They don't go to church. We say, well, if you build it, they will come. Really? I drive by buildings all the time that are half empty. Just because Kevin Costner said it in a movie does not mean it's true. Hallelujah, we got a building. People, you know, they're staying away by the tens of thousands, guys. We, we've got to come to that place where we say, you know what? Let's be like Jesus. Jesus met people where they were. He went to a well, and he talked about water. He saw farmers, and he talked about a seed. He, he met a woman one day with a, a son who had died. He stopped the procession, and he raised the young boy up from the dead. That's what Je- Jesus always met people where they were. You know what else? Our message needs to be relevant. We need to be talking about where people are living. I mean, when you're talking to somebody about their life, don't try to explain to them the ten-toed vision of Daniel out of the book of Daniel. Don't, don't try to go to the book of Revelation and start explaining to them what the 70 weeks are and, and what the horn on the head of the beast is and what 666 means and, and all that because you don't know. I know you read the latest, greatest book, but you don't even know. And why bother somebody with that stuff? Be relevant. You know what you can do? Somebody who's just gone through a loss in their life whether that's a divorce or a job or whatever it is, you can say, let me talk to you about somebody that I met. His name is Jesus. And you know what? I know that he cares about what you're going through because when I read about him, I see him taking time to minister to people who are just like you, who are just going through the exact same thing you're going through. And I want you to know that in my life, I've experienced the grace and the goodness that he brings to me. It doesn't mean my life is perfect, but I want to tell you, it's been a lot better since I met Jesus. You know what? That person all of a sudden is interested. We think we have to walk in with a 40-pound Scofield reference Bible and quote 48 verses and slap them upside the head and say, don't you know you're going to hell? And the answer to that is, yes, they do know they're going to hell. But what they need is they need somebody to love them. They need somebody to think like a fish. The fourth thing we've got to do is that we've got to catch fish on their terms. I mean, you can't sit at your house and catch fish unless your house is over the lake. I mean, you, you've got to get out there. You've got to you know, hook the boat up. You've got to get out. You've got to do a little inconvenience, whatever it is. You, you have got to go out of your way. It's the same way with us. We can't sit in our nice, comfortable sanctuaries and think we're going to win fish. Well, pastor, we're on television, and we've got a website. Yeah, all those things are wonderful tools, but it still boils down to over 80% of people who get saved and come to a local church come because somebody that they know invited them to meet Jesus Christ and to come to church. That's what it's about. So how do we catch fish on their own terms? Jesus said it this way in Luke 10.8. He says, when you enter a town and are welcome, eat what is offered to you. In other words, adapt to the culture. We're in the South. I don't know if you don't know this. I was just recently in Wisconsin, and this little gal was waiting on Sherry and I and a pastor and his wife. And and, uh, she said, "Uh, y'all aren't from here, are you? She said, you have an accent. And I looked at her, and I said, really? I said, you have an accent. I talk right. I mean, you know, Southerners can take a one-syllable word and make four or five syllables out of it. We understand that. We know what it's like. And so, you know, we got it down. And so you've, you've got to it, whatever the culture is. If, if I were in New York, I'd probably pastor a little bit differently. If I was on the West Coast, God help me, I'd pastor differently. And you know, but he placed me right here where I needed to be, uh, where you all talk right and that you understand what I'm saying. But, but you, you, you've got to adapt to the culture that you're in. I quoted it earlier, so I won't reread it, but in 1 Corinthians 9, 22, Paul said, To the weak, I became weak. In other words, your target determines your reproach. If, if I'm talking to somebody, now here's what I will not do. I will not debate anybody. Anybody who shows them says, I want to debate Scripture, you are wasting your time because I'm not talking to you. But somebody who says, you know what, I've got a little understanding of the Scripture, I'm going to talk to them one way. Somebody who has no understanding of the Scripture, I'm going to talk another way. Jesus did that. If you notice, when when he talks to a woman about water, uh, he he deals in the natural. When he talks to the scholars, he moves it on up. So so your audience determines how you do that. And and Jesus, when he sent out, we talked about this in an earlier series this year, when, when Jesus sent the disciples out, he said, here's what you do. You go out and you heal the sick, you raise the dead, you cleanse the lepers. Uh, he said, you drive out demons freely you have received, freely give. In other words, he said, begin with felt needs. You know, we found this out in, in these developing countries that we have ministries in, in Kenya and Uganda and the Philippines and even in Belize now. And what we're finding is, is that you first of all have to meet a need. You know, we're, we're building a, a transitional home right now in Belize. Why? So that we can help them, but so that they will know now that they'll listen to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So you begin with the felt needs in a person's life. What are they going through? What's happening in their life? Number five is the last one, and this is this, and that is use more than one hook. You ever seen those guys on the, on the bank of the river or maybe in the ocean? They got you know, six or eight poles lined up out there. Why is that? That's because that guy says, listen, if one hook will get me one, I'm going I'm to multiply. I'm, I'm going to get more out there so that my chances are better. Have you noticed how much people like choices? I mean, just, let's, let's just talk about televisions. Have you been to buy a TV lately? I mean, I, w- I went to buy a TV a while back, and, and after five minutes, I was so confused and depressed I mean, because the guy said, now, well, do, do you want 1080i? Do you want, you know, 720? Do you want 480? Do you want 630? Do you want 528? I, I I'm, I'm going, I, I don't know. Do you want LED? Do you want LCD? Do you want, you know, this? Do you want that? And, and I'm just standing there like an idiot. And finally, I just looked at him. I said, here's what I want. I want the biggest and the cheapest you got. <laughs> right? I don't care about all that other stuff. Big and cheap. That's what I'm looking for. And, and so we, we live in a nation. You know, you, you go to the Toothpaste Island, Colgate has, what, 37 different brands, you know, I mean, different, all this stuff. Do, do you remember, anybody in here remember when Coke was just Coke? Some of you old enough to remember that. I mean, you used to just, you, you had Coke. I stood in front of a Coke, Coke counter the other day in, in, a, in a convenience store, and there was Coke Zero and Coke Light and Coke Diet Coke and Coke with vanilla and Coke with strawberry and Coke with cherry. I'm, I'm making it up, but I mean, it, so, there was a bunch. I just went, I went, really? I just want a Coke. <laughs> but we love choices. So somebody's buying that vanilla and Coke stinky mess. I mean, it, somebody's liking that. And, and, you know, and so Coke said, we'll, we'll sell that. We'll package that. We'll make it. And, and then when it comes to the church, we have a tendency to say, no, we only do one thing, one time, one way. And bless God, you better like it. Wow. Why not offer multiple services and multiple programs and multiple locations and multiple schedules? Why? Because we want to use more than one hook. We want to draw people into the kingdom of God. We want lives to be changed. You say, well, Pastor, why should I do this? Why should I care about my witness? Well, first of all is Jesus Christ told us to be witnesses. But secondly, when you understand how to live out your witness, it brings some things into your life. And I want to share those real quickly in about the next two or three minutes with you. Your witness provides four things for your life. First of all, it provides a purpose to live for. You know, when you got saved, he could have took you that day. In fact, some of us he should have. You know, that was the best day. It kind of went downhill from there. But he left us here. Why? Why? Because he wants us to make a difference in someone else's life. So it gives us a purpose to live for. Secondly, it gives us a focus for living. It gives me something to focus on. It's, it's kind of like taking your kids on a trip. Anybody ever had uh, children, you know, 8, 9, 10, 12, whatever, maybe 42, I don't know, in, in, the, in the back seat and, and about the first 15 or 20 minutes everything's fine? Right now, I know you know my kids are 29, 22, and, and and so you got a lot of conveniences we didn't have. But but my kids, we, Sherry would get all kind of stuff. She'd get books and games, and and she'd have little little bags made for each of them. We get ready to go on a trip, and 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 then we we would take off, and and I have to be careful because one of mine's on a camera right now, and uh, and and so we we would take off, and then then all of a sudden. Uh, you know, 30 minutes into the trip, I, I'd hear, he's on my side. And then a little bit later, I'd hear, she's touching me. And, you know, that'd go on for a while, and, and, then, and then I would say the great things dad always say, if you kids don't stop, I'm going to pull this car over, right, and I'm going to wear you out. And they just looked at each other and grinned because they know I'm a man. And once we start, unless it's bloody, we ain't stopping. We're going, right? And then you start doing this thing. You know, you're driving, doing this. (laughs) What is the purpose? What's going on? They lost their focus. You're laughing, but what happens in the church when people start picking on one another? If you're looking around and picking on somebody, it's because you lost your focus. Get over it. It's not about you. It's about those who are still to be brought into the kingdom of God. Third thing it does is it provides significance for your life. If you ever win anybody to Jesus Christ, it will revolutionize you. It will change your life forever. You will never be the same when you bring somebody into the kingdom of God. And number four, the fourth thing that my witness provides is that it provides an opportunity to share what Jesus Christ has done for me. I want to tell you, I don't know about you, But Jesus Christ has changed my life. I don't just say that because I'm the preacher. I don't just say that because I'm paid. I say that because I have found out that in walking with Him has made the difference every day of my life. It's not always easy. I don't always do it right. I found myself failing more times seemingly than I succeed. But what I found is, is that walking with Jesus Christ has made a huge difference. And I need to let other people know that. And so as I share my witness, there's something that happens. There's a revolution that begins to take place. And I begin to be able to live a life of significant Christianity. Not just in a bubble, but literally making a difference in those that I come in contact with day in and day out.